0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle mystical city of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agerda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts, the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 352. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 671-679. 671. to 679. 671. It would be necessary to write many books if all the miracles and the works of the great queen during these forty days were to be recorded. For if she did not sleep or eat or rest, who can estimate what she in her great solicitude and activity accomplished during so long a time? It is enough to know that she applied and offered up all for the increase of the church. The Justification of Souls the conversion of the world, and to assist the apostles and disciples preaching the gospel throughout the earth. At the end of this Lent, her divine Son regaled her with a banquet similar to the one brought by the angels to him at the end of his fast, as I have described in its place. Only this one was more splendid since it was present the glorified Savior, full of majesty and accompanied by myriads of angels, some of them serving others, singing in divine and celestial harmonies. And the Lord himself furnished what was eaten by his most blessed mother. This day was very delightful to her, more on account of the presence of her divine son and his tokens of love, than on account of the exquisite nectars and manas of heaven. In thanksgiving, she prostrated herself and asked his benediction, adoring the Lord, and he, having given it to her, returned to the celestial regions. During all these apparitions of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pious mother performed great and heroic acts of humility, submission, and veneration, kissing the feet of her son, acknowledging herself unworthy of those favors, and asking for new graces in order to serve him better in the future. 672. Possibly there may be those who, in their human prudence, will consider as rather frequent these apparitions of the Lord, which I have described for so many occasions. But those who think so will have to show what is the measure of the holiness of the mistress of grace and virtue, and the reciprocal love of such a mother and son. And they will be obliged to tell us how far these favors exceed the measure due to the circumstances. They forget that both faith and reason convince us that this measure goes far beyond all human estimate. As for myself, the light in which I see these things excludes all doubt, and moreover, it should suffice for any one to consider that each day, each hour, and moment, Christ our Saviour descends from heaven, wherever in all the world a priest legitimately consecrates the sacred host in the Mass. I say that he descends not only by a bodily motion, but by the change of bread and wine. "...into his sacred body and blood. Though this descent happens in a different manner, which I will not gainsay or dispute, yet the holy Catholic faith teaches me that the same Christ is actually present and remains in the consecrated host. This wonder the Lord performs thus frequently for men and for the welfare, notwithstanding that there are so many unworthy ones, and some even among those who consecrate." If anyone can induce him to continue this favor, it is no one else than the Most Blessed Mary, for whom he will do it, and for whom he has principally begun to do it, as I have explained elsewhere. Hence, it is not astonishing that he should have visited her personally so many times, since she alone was able and knew how to merit it only for herself, but for all the rest of us. 673 After the fast, the great lady celebrated the feast of her purification and the presentation of the infant God in the temple. In order that she might make this offering and that God might accept it, the most blessed Trinity appeared in her oratory with his heavenly court to prepare her for offering up the incarnate word the angels visited and adorned her with the same garments and jewels as I have described for the feasts of the incarnation. Then she offered up a comprehensive prayer, in which she supplicated for the whole human race and especially for the church. The reward for this prayer and for the humility with which she subjected herself to the law of the purification, as well as for her other exercises, was a new increase of grace, new gifts and favors for herself and for others, great helps and blessings. 674. The memory of the Passion, the institution of the Blessed Sacrament, of the resurrection, she celebrated not only every week as describing above, but also on the anniversaries of their happening. Each year, she observed their commemoration in the manner, as is now done in the church in the Holy Week. Besides the exercises of each week, she added many others. And on Good Friday, at the hour in which Christ was crucified, she placed herself upon a cross and there remained for three hours. She renewed all the prayers of the Lord with all the sorrows and mysteries of that day. But on the following Sunday, which corresponds to the resurrection, she was raised by the holy angels to the Empyrean heavens, where, during that day, she enjoyed the beatific vision, while on the ordinary Sundays her vision of the Godhead was abstractive. Instruction which the Queen of Angels gave me. 6.75 My daughter, the Divine Spirit, whose wisdom and prudence governs the Holy Church through my intercession, has ordained that in it so many different feasts should be celebrated, not only in order that proper thanks should be given to the Creator and Redeemer for the works of the redemption of my life and of the saints, and that the blessings which never can be properly repaid may not be forgotten by mankind, but also in order that these solemnities might afford men an opportunity of attending to holy exercises and of recollecting themselves interiorly by withdrawing from the solicitudes of temporal affairs. And in order that they might, by the exercise of virtue and the good use of the sacraments, repair the losses sustained by their distractions, imitate the virtues in the lives of the saints, solicit my intercession, merit the forgiveness of their sins, and gain the graces and favors held in readiness by the divine mercy in these mysteries. 676. This is the spirit of the Holy Church by which she desires to govern and nourish her children as a devoted mother. And I, who am mother of them all, sought to attract and bind them to the secure path of their salvation. But the insinuations of the infernal serpent have always, and especially in the unhappy times in which thou livest, tended to pervert these holy ends of the Lord and mine. And when he cannot pervert the order of the Holy Church, he exerts himself to prevent the greater part of the faithful from being benefited, by her institutions, and strives to induce many to convert them into greater guilt for their condemnation. And the same demon will stand as their accuser at the tribunal of the divine justice. For on the days of great solemnity and festivity, men not only fail to enter into the spirit of the church by employing them in works of virtue and in worship of their God, but just on those days they commit the most grievous sins, as is ordinarily the case with carnal and worldly men. Certainly most outrageous and reprehensible is the common forgetfulness and contempt of this duty in the children of the Church, when they profane the sacred and holy days by spending them in diversion and play, in excessive and disorderly eating and drinking, irritating the justice of the Almighty instead of appeasing Him, and succumbing to their invisible enemies instead of vanquishing them and permitting them to triumph in their pride and malice. Six seventy seven. Do thou, my daughter, bewail this damage, since I cannot bewail it now in the same way as I have done it in mortal life, and exert thyself to assist thy brethren in overcoming this widespread carelessness. And although the life of the religious should differ from that of seculars, so as to have no distinction of days, and to apply every day for the divine worship, for prayer and holy exercises, as thou shouldst teach thy subjects, yet I desire thee to celebrate them with the feast of the Lord and mine by a more careful preparation and purity of conscience. I wish thee to fill all thy days and thy nights with works holy and pleasing in the sight of the Lord, but on the festivals thou shalt add another interior and exterior exercises. Excite the fervor of thy heart, recollect thyself, and if it seems to thee that thou art doing much, labor still more earnestly to make certain thy vocation and election two Peter one ten, nor ever omit any exercise out of negligence. Consider that the days are evil, Ephesians five six, and that life disappears like a dream Psalm one hundred forty three four. Live very carefully in order that thou mayest not be found without merit, holy deeds and perfect works. To each our assign its legitimate occupation as thou hast seen me do it, and as I have many times admonished and taught thee. six hundred seventy eight. For this purpose I exhort thee to live attentive to the divine inspirations, and amid all other blessings not to forget those contained in such enlightenments. Let thy care be such that no virtuous act or greater perfection which is possible to thee and comes to thy notice remain unexecuted. I assure thee, my dearest, that through their negligence and forgetfulness, mortals lose immense treasure of grace and glory." All the perfection that I knew of my divine Son when I lived with him, I imitated, and whatever the Holy Ghost pointed out to me as being most perfect, I execute as thou hast seen. This anxious solicitude was as natural to me as to breathe, and through it I induced my divine Son to show me so many favors and visit me so often during my mortal life. 679. I desire likewise that in order that thou and thy religious may imitate me in my retirement and solicitude, Thou establish the manner in which the customary retreat is to be conducted, and that those who make it should live retired during the days appointed for it in holy obedience. Thou knowest from experience what fruit is gathered in these retreats, since in it thou hast written nearly the whole of my life. And in this solitude the Lord visited thee with greater blessings and favors for the betterment of thy own life and the conquering of thy enemies. In order that thy religious may understand how they must conduct themselves in the exercises of the retreat for their greater profit and advancement, I wish that thou write for them a special treatise, in which thou wilt assign all their occupations to certain hours and times. These should be arranged in such a way that the one who is in retreat does not miss the community exercises, for conformity to them is an obligation superseding all the particular ones. As for the rest, those in retreat should observe perfect silence and go about veiled, in order that they may be known as making the retreat, and not spoken to by any of the others. Let none be deprived of this benefit on account of their office, and let their duties be assigned to others in obedience. Ask enlightenment of the Lord for writing this treatise, and I shall assist thee to understand more thoroughly my practices in retirement, in order that thou mayest teach it to the others." This concludes our reading today for day number 352. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 15, paragraphs 671 to 679. There's a line in the Gospels from, I believe, St. John, if I'm not mistaken. He says that should all the miracles of Jesus be written down, there would be so many volumes. And we hear something very similar today. Here in the mystical city of God, it would be necessary to write many books if all the miracles and works of the great queen during these 40 days were to be recorded. So this reading is just saying this is just about Mary's long fast of 40 days. This isn't even saying the miracles of before that or after that. It's just saying For me to detail everything that God did for Our Lady in her 40 days of Lent as she remembered the long fast of Jesus, God did extraordinary things for her. It is enough to know that she applied and offered up all for the increase of the church, the justification of souls, the conversion of the world, and to assist the apostles and disciples preaching the gospel throughout the earth. To offer up. Well, that's something that we can do. We offer up our suffering, we offer up our pain, we give it purpose. And we can do so for a particular intention, perhaps an intention for the sake of the church. And then to think about the passion and how Mary observed the passion, what she did on Good Friday by observing three hours laying on a cross herself, reminding herself of Christ's death. Besides the exercises of each week, she added many others. And on Good Friday, at the hour in which Christ was crucified, she placed herself upon a cross and there remained for three hours. So we're talking about the spiritual life of Our Lady, her interior life, how it is that she prayed, how it is that she's observing these feasts. And beside the exercises of each week, well, What are your spiritual exercises each day? What are your spiritual exercises each week? What type of devotion do you do? And in the instruction that Our Lady gives, she says, I wish thee to fill all thy days and all thy nights with works holy and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. So how are you filling your days with godly things? And on the festivals, thou shouldst add other interior and exterior exercises. What interior and exterior exercises might you add on the Feast of Christmas this year? How will you observe the resurrection this year? What piety will inform your spiritual life? And then Maria Vagrata directs us For this purpose, I exhort thee to live attentive to the divine inspirations and, amid all the other blessings, not to forget those contained in such enlightenments. How is God inspiring you in your daily life? When you think of this might be a pious practice I want to do, that's God inspiring you. Be attentive to that inspiration of God, allow that inspiration to lead you. I think when it comes to the spiritual life, perhaps an appropriate prayer is, Lord, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to pray? And over time, as you keep asking, the Lord will show you and reveal it to you. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary, pray for you.